everybody welcome back for another edition of kingly conversations hopefully for you this week we'll have a little bit lighter topic but probably not <laughs> you know because we always deal with the real and pretty much what's real is always going to be a little bit heavy so uh we're going to go ahead and really get started again everybody we appreciate everybody for listening in again like share and subscribe Rate us five stars if you feel like we're worth five stars. And we are going to jump right in to today's Welcome. Before topic. we jump. Oh, before, before, we, before jump. we jump. Before we jump. Um, I want to say a special thank you to listeners out in California. Uh, thank you for your input. Thank you for replying. Also, thank you to listeners in North Carolina, Florida. We appreciate you guys. Love you. Uh, go ahead. All right. Fantastic. So. We're going to get right into it today. We're going to be talking about some internal wars, these internal battles that we have, and really to kick it off, because again, we always had a person kick it off whose topic it is. <laughs> you know, we're going to start with uh, Mr. Twain. Mr. Fonzo, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever time you listen. Mr. 47-inch biceps. <laughs> you got to wear the shirts, man. Um, let's see. Well, today's topic is, the title is uh, Internal Wars. And it, the basis of it is mental health and how important it is to take care of yourself in your mental status, man, your psychological, your, your psyche, if you will. So um, I guess we'll go ahead. I'll touch on it. For me, I do struggle with mental health. It's it's not a game. It is serious for those who battle depression, for those who battle PTSD, uh, whatever level it, it is real some of the challenges that I face on a daily basis is I, I have good voices and I have bad voices that dictate, uh, unfortunately how I navigate <laughs> through life sometimes. And, um, I have, I have good days. I have more good days and bad days now than in the past. It all started around two, 2015 is when I actually, when I first seeked help. Mm-hmm. Um, I, at the time I was living in Georgia, um, at the time I was homeless. What's crazy was I had two jobs, but I was still homeless, but that's just, an, that's the, I know uh, the economics and, and it was bad. I was in a bad spot, um, doing things that, you know, just to survive that, you know, if you want to have a personal face to face conversation, we'll have that and I can get into more details. Um, but for now, it it was rough, and when I did seek that help, it was talking to a therapist or a psychologist, and at the time, in my mental state, it was bad, and I felt as if this person don't understand. I feel like I'm being judged. I'm never coming back again. Fast forward, we're in, what, 2021 right now, so I met somebody is actually Ashley's uncle. Uh, we call him uncle Andre. Uh, first time meeting him, we went down and, you know, taking the kids down there so they can spend time with them summer, spring break, whatever it was. And he pulled me to, to the side and said, Hey, you, you got PTSD. Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, you got it. I, what are some of the signs you say depression? <clears throat> How would someone from the outside, Looking in, know you struggle or battle with depression. Um, there are telltale signs. Um, isolating, uh, isolation is one of them. Um, shutting down to where you can't communicate. Uh, some like uh, agitated quickly over the most like normal. Normally, it wouldn't affect you, but it the small things turn into. The molehills turn into mountains, if you will, uh, are some of the signs. Um, depression, not having the energy to to do much, 
uh, feeling drained all the time. As far as people noticing that, I think those are some of the, because at the time I was having, I, I didn't agree with something and that thought took over and it overran everything that was going on, even though the atmosphere was lovely. Shout out to uncle Andre. Love you, man. Um, it was it was tough for me to get out that mental state, and it was over a, the simplest thing. Um, I, I don't know exactly what it was, but I can tell you right now, it was stupid. <laughs> Looking back on it, in in hindsight, it was it was dumb. Like normally, I wouldn't get like in worked up about something, but um, he he saw the signs and he you know put me on to uh, resources, and I'm, I'm getting help now. Like then, I didn't want it back. Like 2015, in between time, up until the current, I didn't, I didn't see the need for it because it's everybody else. Y'all crazy, not me. <laughs> and and yeah. um, now that I am seeking help and that I'm, I'm open to it. It's definitely been a major help for me. Just the the journey itself, the transition, my attitude, my my temperament, my my whole the characteristics of what I, how I act when I am feeling in that depressed or um, anxious, anxiety, paranoid type mind state versus the, like it's just two different people. It's night and day. And um, I'm going to go ahead and open up for, for y'all because I, I can talk about this uh, all day because I live with it. But um, as far, as far as, I mentioned like having good voices and bad voices. Uh, it is not as extreme for for some. Would would y'all say that y'all have some kind of um, uh, feeling towards that or some kind of perspective in that in that regard? Now with um, like having a good voice, bad voice, I I I I don't find it. Um, As intense yet okay. I don't I don't deal with the I don't think I do now, It might be my denial Because I do believe a, a, One of the most important things Is acknowledging that you do have an issue So I don't I don't struggle with depression now um, May May have in my younger years When I was homeless And going, going through struggles And everything else But I think that had a lot to do with conditions And just the circumstances that I was in or where I was, the environment, more than anything. But I don't believe now. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I don't have a definite, this is how I deal with the voices, the internal wars. Most of my internal wars, I will be somewhat honest and say it would, it would be on how to deal with someone. Okay. That That's... Where I find most of my challenges is how do I want to handle this individual? I don't, I don't have too many internal struggles. I don't believe. I mean, that's fair. That, that, that's not. Um, I'm. I'm I, I again, I believe in. I, I might have them, and I don't admit it yet. I well, might not be there as far as having to deal with the. PTSD and the because I do know I have some of these issues Question. and I'm learning from watching. I understand. I understand. Question. When having a conversation or when you do have to deal with people or learn how to deal with people, do you have at least a hundred different conversations in your head and how it could <laughs> how it could, how it would, the possibilities of the outcome of that conversation or I, dealing with that person? I mean I certainly do. Um and I don't, uh, you know, I never really equated it to internal wars, you know, it, but and I've, I've done that. I mean, now at 40, as long as I can remember, you know, I, I will go through all of the scenarios in my head. Doesn't mean I won't still go forward, but I, right. I will go. It's almost like I've rehearsed yes. all of my responses right. to I, whatever question I could possibly receive from what I'm saying. And I don't know if that comes from, you know, I just. You know, spending time in being in a sales environment or if I've always been that way, because I don't remember. I'm sure I did it when I was a youth. 
I'm sure that I did, uh, but it was certainly heightened once I started getting involved in you know different sales organizations over the years or whatever, uh, because then you're trying to oh you're trying to preemptively overcome objections before they even come up, and so I, it started that starts to spill over into all like the other areas. Chess. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I do understand that, and, okay. and kind of playing chess with people's responses and what they're going to say, and you kind of gauging. Yes, I do do that. I got you. I understand. And like I said, this is it's titled "Internal Wars," but just I, I labeled it that because, of course, for me, I struggle with it. But for other people, it's not really a war. It's just a matter of, like you said, dealing with people and learning how to maneuver to the best outcome so it's, it's it's different for everybody and i think to some extent i mean we're all gonna i mean everybody has a self-talk you know what because yeah, we definitely. we talk to ourselves far more often than we talk to anybody else right um and so i think that even though it's, it is titled internal wars i think these in, these internal conversations it, it, they can certainly turn into wars depending upon you know where, where the person is mentally at the time right and depending upon what their thoughts about whatever it is that they're dealing with are right um and so it just i think it's it's everybody's going to deal with it differently because i can say at least from my own perspective i don't think i can't say that i've never been depressed but i think depression for me probably looks different than it might for somebody else right right um so depression for me is is going to be like what probably people have seen i, I just bury myself in other stuff gotcha Whereas some people might, you know, be, tend to, to, to close off and to retract. I just get extremely busy in everything. And that could be, for me, that is, for me, being, I don't know how not to be busy in the first place. Mm -hmm. So then getting busier means that it, for me, it doesn't allow the voices or the, the, the conversations to turn out in another fashion. And that may be, uh, and I'm sure if, if we have any psychologists or got psychiatrists on the line, that certainly may be a coping mechanism that I've used my entire life in order to deal with what may have been going on internally. But also, at least for me, doing stuff with my hands helps me to also think. Mm -hmm. I mean, to the, to, even to the point where when I was in college and I had uh, math problems, I could not do it on paper for some reason. But if I did it on a whiteboard, I could figure it out. And I don't know what it was. Again, we could probably ask a psychiatrist or, or a psychologist. <laughs> I don't know what it was about being up, moving around that helps me to think better. I'm also one of those people that pace when they're on the phone. So uh, I, I think, like, like you said, the coping me mechanism, I think mine was put in place early. And listening to you guys, I see it now. So the way I deal with a lot of pressures and issues in life, I do turn to my faith very often. Gotcha. More than, more than I said most because of my upbringing. Mm -hmm. I didn't, church, some people use church as their coping mechanism. Like they'll go and get into a service and they start running and hollering and screaming and all that. Yeah. And, and everybody has their way of worship. No, nothing's wrong with that. That's a good thing. Um, <laughs> But I think when I say I turn to my faith, I I, I come t back to the understanding of, okay, what I am facing may simply just be a test or a challenge that mm. I eat, I need to learn from. I either need to learn or I need to grow. I, I feel like most of the challenges in my life are self-induced. I caused this problem because of a decision or God brought this problem to teach me something. Yep. So a lot of my faith is 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 how I release those stresses and, and pressures of life with that. Gotcha. Now I'm not one of those um I isolate when I have to think and when I have to process. I will do that because I need quiet. I need peace. I, I can't Sort through the chaos without it. That's that's my mechanism. And oftentimes, if 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 it's, I'm trying to think of a, a a moment in life where I was that depressed to where I would turn to either alcohol or something else because that's what most of us do. We turn to something to numb the pain. True. Yeah. To numb to, to get me away from this reality. That I'm facing now Right So 
early, <laughs> early, that's what it was. It was, like you said, find something to do. Idle hands do the devil's work. That's what they say. That bottle was that idle hand. <laughs> the bottle found its way to the idle hand. So that's how I would deal with it. Or or I would find some other avenue. That was then. Now, like I said, now more than ever, it's my faith. Gotcha. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, my coping mechanism became working out. And that, that was, that's a great with Some people... That's a great one to me. It is a great one. And it's, and it's productive. Therapy, it's, so. pro- it's very productive. That's <laughs> how you get that bendy bar. That's definitely how you get that bendy bar. <laughs> bendy bar fitness. If it ain't bending, you yeah. pretending. Yeah. Bendy bar fitness. Swole bros. <laughs> Swole bros. <laughs> Shout out to Mikey. But that's, that, no, but that's, I remember, okay, let, look at it because that's what one thing that I feel like drew us closer together, especially in Iraq. When Alfonso was 2% body fat, the physical Greek god of the oh, universe. Sure. <laughs> hey, just, just, hey, listen, listen, y'all. <laughs> he was walking around, no shirt on, pointing at the gym, t- telling everybody where to go. I mean, the gym. Yeah, it is it's that, that way. way. Hey, man, ain't too much right now. But, but when you're in shape, everybody knows how it is. You know how you feel about yourself. You know confidence. your confidence yeah. level yeah. is through the roof. Yeah. And when you're physically healthy, and you look great, you your attitude and everything about you tends to follow that trend. So at that time, I wanted I wanted to do that. I could I remember y'all were working out and they were using dumbbells. <laughs> Listen, they were <laughs> this Iraq or, re- yeah, or, no, or no, recently. This was, this was in Iraq. Oh, okay. And y'all were using dumbbells. You and him were using dumbbells and doing squats. Y'all were doing um what's 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 it called? Oh, the kickbacks? Kickbacks. kickbacks. Y'all were doing kickbacks, thirty five pounds. Easy day, they would like it's nothing. Oh, thirty five. Easy day. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, y'all. So I said, I'm gonna go work out with them. I'm gonna get in there with them. All right. Listen to your body. I, <laughs> I grabbed the thirty five, and my body said, "No, sit down." <laughs> then I grabbed, I grabbed the thirty. My body said, "Keep going lower." <laughs> I grabbed twenty five. At least you listen. <laughs> I grabbed twenty five. Said, "We can do this." No. Start where you start, people. Don't start where everybody else is. I had to start with 10 and work my way up while these muscle Greek gods were sitting there lifting gym, (laughs) scaring the kids. Well, you know, scared the natives. Look, I think, I think, but I think that's true in everything. You got to start where you are because, you know, so many people, because they look at other people's experiences and they say, oh, because I'm not there, I can never see myself being that person. That's a big mistake, and it, it huge. And that becomes because the challenge. That, that becomes that the does. war. That becomes part of that war. And because I can say that, because I was never really into alcohol in the first place, that when tough times came or I wanted to escape the pain, it wasn't even a, it wasn't even consideration mm-hmm. for me to go and and and, and get a bottle. It was always, uh, okay, well, this is really stressing me. I'm going to go to the gym or I'm going to get buried and doing something in the garage get or, the I'm, or get to the book. I'm, I'm going to listen to some personal development, whatever it was. So for me, it was always something that, and I don't know when I became that way. For me, it was always something that was going to end up propelling me in a direction that I was still okay with. Right. Um, because, I mean, I'm certainly okay with deadlifting 405 or yeah. in some people's cases, 510, 515, you know, over there. You see, they doing, they been extra <laughs> right man fitness over they there. Extra you know? right now. But, <laughs> but, so I, but I would certainly be okay with that because, again, like Calvin said, that, you know, even when, even, it's, it's crazy because my wife noticed it more so than I did. Mm. But she noticed that once we had started working out and once we had gotten, even though oh, we hadn't yeah. really lost any weight, once we got incredibly strong, like my confidence level was through the roof. And I'm still, you know, still looking in the mirror, still got a belly, still got everything else. But it was the fact that I Power. knew yeah. that I had one hit or quitter strength. <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't know, one hit or quitter is when you hit someone one time and they are now unconscious. Yeah. So it was the fact that I knew that I had one hit or quitter strength that gave me a certain level of confidence that, uh, you know, that she hadn't seen. Gotcha. Even though she said I was already a confident person, it was just like, you know, another took level. it up another level. Yeah. And not to the point of arrogance, but just to the point of Confident. you more self-assuredness that you knew who you were. Right. And um, so, but I know everybody didn't have it that way. Right. But wherever they start, you, you have to, yeah, everybody starts. has to, you have to start somewhere. Right. So whether it's, whether mm-hmm. it's, whether it's, the, the key thing though too is like Twan was saying, being open to seeking help. 
Because I don't know if prior to 2015, if you would have even been open to any help. I will say this. In that time, I was so desperate, I had nowhere to go. And I felt like. Oh, do we profit? Do we even profit? Give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. If if in our struggles and in our internal wars, we don't find a way to, like I said, cope or or relieve those pressures, we begin to self destruct. Absolutely, and that's where I was going. And that's that's where, as men, I'm saying this now, following up from the last episode. If you did not get a chance to listen, as black men. We have to come together for that one reason to help encourage and build each other up in our low times, because often we have nobody to talk to. Oh, that's true. We, we, we don't have. We don't feel. We don't. Yeah, we feel as though yeah. we don't have somebody that can help us fight this war that we're fighting Absolutely. inside. But to tie into that, that's also part of the upbringing. If you yeah. won't up, yeah. if you didn't come up in an environment where you, uh, you had that open communication and you felt as if people had your back, then that will put you in a state where you don't feel as if there is anyone, even though mm-hmm. there is, but you've been conditioned to feel that way. And and I mean, I'll even say, even if you, depending on your upbringing, again, even if you did have people that you knew had your back, you know, the example that was set for you can still cause you to to internalize a lot of things because I knew that my parents had my back, but because even in tough times, I never saw my parents turn to anyone else for help. It was not even, it wasn't even a, a conscious thought to turn to anyone else for assistance. It was always, you know, I'm going to, I just have to figure out whatever it is. I have to, you know, whatever it is, cry my way through it, work my way through it, go lift my way through it, go work out, you know, do whatever I had to do, but I was never going to, ask anyone for assistance until I realized as I started to get older that that was that was probably the first avenue that somebody should take is you know hey uh it's just it's it's amazing how just discussing the issue with somebody else does is, so much good. does so much it's so <laughs> cathartic for people even mm-hmm. in with, with with my wife and I writing this blog it has been far more cathartic even in even though we talk to each other yeah being able to get support from our community has been so much more cathartic, at least for me, um, than just talking to one another. And um, not that, again, not that anything's wrong with that. But, you want to put a plug in there for Yeah, put a plug in there, you know. Yeah, go ahead and talk about that. Well, I mean, no, I mean, it's just we, so we've been, you know, we've been going through um, a journey with IVF for several years and, um, and essentially going through it in silence, nobody really knowing what was going on. My parents, well, in, in our case, my mother knew and her parents knew. But outside of that, there were very few people that knew anything about what was going on. I mean, we're talking since 2017. And so uh, this year, uh, Janine decided we would uh, we would start a blog just to talk about our experience. And then, you know, after and, and continuing to talk about our experiences. Yeah. But the, the initial purpose was to talk about this experience and all the stuff that people don't tell you and that they and that you don't know prior to going into the situ the, the situations in life that we have been in. Um, you know, because people and it's always funny to me because she did a she did a post talking about internal <coughs> wars. Because people have come to me over the last few years and it's like, hey, man, you know, you should get you should invest in this, you know, with me and blah, 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 just that and the third. But they have no idea the amount of money that we were spending on IVF. Now, again, I tell people all the time, I'm thankful that we are even in a position financially that we can do it, because for a lot of people, this just wouldn't even be an option. Um, And so, you know, since 2017, we've probably spent somewhere around sixty thousand dollars just in trying to conceive. So. Um, wow, which is which is a ton of money, but for somebody who is not in the position that we may be in, it wouldn't even be an option mm-hmm. for them. So right. even though we had, we are, you know, we're in the times that we're in. I'm still thankful that we have the opportunity to even be in the times that we're in, uh, because the alternative is, you know, not <laughs> not having those options. Yeah. So not as much of a plug, but it is a shorter way if you want to go and take a look at the, the blog that we've been writing. I try to, she, my wife posts far more than I do, but 
Um, I tend to put a lot of drafts in there and then delete them before I get to it, before I write them. Uh, so, you know, I had like three drafts this last week and then I only published one. So, you know, it just depends. But when something crosses my mind, I try to put a note down so I remember to come back and do it because, you know, I can be, I can certainly be uh, well unfocused, I would say, you know, because I'm trying to do so many different things. We got the podcast. I have, uh, Obviously, a, a website that I have to maintain, and we have all website me and my wife do, and then you yeah, know you the different on, social man. media pages that I got to manage. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a lot of stuff. But I mean, mm-hmm. I tell people I wouldn't trade it for the world. Busy it definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, what else you gonna do? You got you only got we only got one life on this planet, at least. You know, so I have a question. Go ahead. You got a question. I do have a question, uh, and it's actually going back to how has being in the war, actually being in a physical war, how has that affected you? Do I gotta go first? You don't have to go first. You can go first or last, man. Go ahead. All right. So, so, okay, because this is me. The war that time overseas, I have referred it referred to it as a desert experience. Yeah, I remember somewhat of a spiritual church colloquialism that we use. Um, That was the desert experience for me. I have personally grown closer to God and in my faith through that experience. To me, that whole thing was that. Um, yeah, I was there in the Marines. Yeah, we got shot at. Yeah, uh, we, we, we witnessed different things. But for me personally, I've really learned to trust and depend on God without this western church of ours. Yeah. Yeah, because it was it was it wasn't a Sunday morning I'm going to get my suit on and I'm going to talk about this. Oh, yeah, it, Come, was, it, was, it was a whole nother grime, league yeah, yeah. and I never felt anything close to it even being here in America. It hasn't, yeah. hasn't come close and I it is what it is. I'm I'm sorry, <laughs> but what we have done in America for spirituality and our Christian Religion, we have failed. I'm sorry to tell you guys, no. No. Even the last year should have been a spotlight on what we do as a Christian community. What we do and what we say is two different things. It should have been a day-to-day lifestyle more than a, I got to look at this Zoom or this service. Um, that's, that's just... You say how it how it was for me. I'm talking from my perspective. It became it a more you. yeah. It became more wow. of a faith walk for me that pushed me in that direction. Okay, more than anything. So a lot of my life has become centered on that. Okay, spirit. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, really. But that's, that's what talk. it is. It, it, it's not a um, and it has put me in a. Isolated place. This is where my internal war would be. It has put me in a place of. It's changed your vision and faith. It, it, it changed house. everything. Yeah. It really destroyed a lot of stuff. And I almost feel like I'm on, on an island because I don't know who can relate. Gotcha. Only people that were there have been through the yeah, same experience. And, 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 and that's the challenge I have. Mm. So as far as me knowing. Who to confide in about certain things Or who to Who understands I, I I don't even talk to my own family sometimes Because I know They can't relate You, you don't know what I'm talking you, you, you don't know What I'm talking about if I tell you I'm in the middle of a war zone yeah. I, You don't know What that's like you don't know the intensity behind Okay every day You might not live That's true that's crazy, and then, and, and especially but, when you think you get used to that. Yeah, but for me, it was I'm gonna be okay anyway. Yeah, because I know God. God already let me know I'm gonna be okay. So for me, it was more or less a all right. So what I'm what I'm here for? <laughs> what, 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 what you got me here getting shot at well, for? Yeah, well, then, you, what, then, you, what, then you found out what's what's this about? Then you, you know, found out. like so so for that's what. My internal struggles stemmed from. Gotcha. So that's how it changed me. Too. When um, 
I think for me, when we were when we were in the war, as we called it anyway, but when we were in Iraq between '04 and '06, mm-hmm. um, I think I intentionally, and y'all were there, so y'all saw it anyway. I intentionally made it a point to listen to all the personal man, development personal philosophers development, that I could man. personal development that I mean I made it a point to do because, but part of that part of that was also because I had heard so many stories about people going to war zones and coming back different and I didn't right. want that to be me right well, I didn't want to come back worse come back different, I came back different but I didn't want to come back like you know because you know I have I have, a, I have uh, family members that were in Vietnam and things like that and you know I didn't want to be that type of different when right, you still right. 40 yeah, years later wake up with nightmares yeah. and things like right, that I, I didn't and sure if we had been in an infantry unit it may have been different or if we had been in a jungle situation versus a desert situation mm-hmm. I'm sure it would have been cause, you know jungle a lot more places to hide you have no idea who's around this tree mm-hmm. um, and, but we were never really outside the wire so to speak um, we just got attacked from outside the wire you know where rockets and mortars and whatnot would come and attack mm. um, now I, Yep. Now, Ars, Ars and, and Rojas, shout out to you guys, love you guys. Um, I've heard them tell stories about being in the helicopter, being shot at, and, yep. and hearing how rockets flew through 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 the blades. Yeah. Like, missed the aircraft. Yeah. So, I'm sure that's a, <laughs> that would do something to you. You would Absolutely. have those, those anxieties. Yeah. Coming home. And, and don't get me wrong, I still, there are still anxieties that I have. Like to this day, um, to this to this day, loud noises still bother me. Mm. Like they they I still uh, have an issue with loud noises. I don't have an issue True. with crowds uh, now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think any of us have an issue with a crowd right now. But Whoa. well, yeah, yeah. I mean, distance. you know, Whoa. but they, they would make it's me. Different. But crowds used to make me. Uh, <laughs> crowds used to make me nervous. Still um, because you know, but part of that is because I still have been unable. To not be hyper vigilant, like here we are, sixteen, seventeen years later, no. and I'm still hyper vigilant yeah. all the time, yeah. and it's um, you know, to the point where I do. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, there was this saying that uh, some uh, the general Maddox said. He said, you know, be professional, be polite, but have a plan to kill everybody you meet. <laughs> and you know that, that as a marine, as a marine, that that's how you were. You were professional, you were polite, but you had a plan to kill everybody you meet. And um, because that was, but that was the environment. The problem is, all of us bring some of that back. True. And so, even when I'm in the store, I'm always looking for threats, essentially. And I don't know that I'll ever, you know, and and I'm looking for threats because. I don't, you know, I want to be able to identify the threat early and not be in that location. But then when I'm out with my with my wife, I want to be able to identify the threat so we cannot be in the location. So I'm, then I'm even more vigilant. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you can be more than hyper vigilant, but it feels like it because I'm because now I'm watching for two people instead of just watching for just me. So you know, and I'm watching with everything, eyes, ears, everything. And I don't know that uh, I don't know that people that haven't had that type of experience. Are that way And I don't even know That everybody else Everybody that's been there has, Is that way But I, I can't It's not something I've been able to shape well, I think the closest thing People today Could relate to <clears throat> Is dealing with the COVID So everybody Hyper vigilant Certainly it's Hand hands, sanitizer yeah. mm-hmm. Washing your hands Get away from me Don't get close did Scared to hug level. Did he just sneeze? Yeah, yeah. He coughed <clears throat> Uh oh Wrong <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? That is So, so To help to kind of help our listeners That's not as extreme But that's close Because It's a form It's of a it, form even of Even though it. it may not be extreme And everyone Just like you said yeah, You don't want to catch the virus Because you think you're going to die Okay We're coming out of that now And some of us will That lingering threat Or idea of a threat Is going to be with us for a while I have family members right now that are struggling to get back to life. Yeah. Because they're dealing with that. They, they, yeah. They're scared. They're genuinely Terrified. afraid. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because they don't want to catch it or they don't want to catch it again. That's a, that's I, that's a real fear. I guess. That. And that, that to me can lead you to a state of depression. It can. 
if you linger on that too long, that's where I, I again I'll push anybody towards faith. Do you trust God? If you have if whatever you believe, practice or teach, do it at this point. I I'm saying, do you trust and do you believe in? Go ahead. I mean, do you believe what you say you believe? Essentially, hey, that's. I, I will say that. Um. <laughs> oh, wait, let me say that one more time. Do you believe what you say you believe? Ow, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I, I kind of can go into. Um, I'm glad you mentioned family. Um, how? Follow up question: How does mm-hmm. it affect your relationship with your family? Now that one it did. That one it did. Because my wife told me that I have a a swift disconnect. Oh, that's that's one. Hey, man, so you, we had a talk. We had, you over here with the quick disconnect. A QD real quick. Like I would start talking about something, and she's she said, Calvin, I I don't like it when you emotionally disconnect. When you're talking about us sometimes I didn't realize it until she said it mm. But I have a I'm working on it I'm working on it We all are <laughs> now, we, yeah. And what it is What she was referring to Is A separation I get it I don't I don't mind And I'm going to say this right I love my family I love I love them all. I love my children. I love her. I especially love her. A lot of love. Yeah. Got to put these disclaimers. (laughs) (laughs) Outside of her, I could live without you. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But reality, because and that's what she was referring to, is like I I love my mom and dad. I, I don't have to talk to them. I love my I love my kids. I don't have to see them. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh I'm sorry. But it's, it's 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 and that's what she was talking to. Now where that came from mm-hmm. is because I was in the military and I was forced to be away from my family mm-hmm. and, and from the ones I love. Yeah. So I learned to disconnect my emotions so that I can function and take care of business and get back home safely. I can't be preoccupied with what's going on back thousands of millions of miles away and I'm getting shot at or something could go wrong and I need to be here now. In the present. That's why I'm like that. I get it. That's where it came from. And it's not an easy thing to undo once you've learned to turn your emotions off. It like happens. Like, like it, a light it, switch. Yeah, like a light switch. What what need to happen? Boom. Uh-uh. It is what it is. And and it's not a it's not a uh, my, intentional. My, it's not intentional, I right? Get. It's not intentional. But I've been taught called um I've been told that I need to show more compassion. That hinders that. <laughs> I just had a, a a vision, a picture of you showing compassion, like somebody telling you that is understanding where you're coming from. I, I understand how can, that can maybe difficult, right? You know? Because that that comes with that disconnect. It does because you have to have emotions. You have to have a sense you of do. care. And I have mm. learned. I have really learned. And worked on that And I have deliberately taken time To make sure my kids know My family knows Okay, if I have to hug you a little while longer And hold you just a few seconds too long So you understand that I do love you Then that's what I have to do And I have to force myself to do that at times But it's necessary Men, men have a hard time doing that Men, it's necessary for you to do that I like it, Alan. Anything? <laughs> <laughs> He's still laughing. Uh, what was the question? What are you laughing about? <laughs> I, I was just asking, well, following up to the question of how has the uh, being in an actual war affected oh, okay. you? How does that, uh, or if it even does affect your uh, relationships? Um, I, well, it, it certainly, I won't even say being in the war itself. The problem for me, I think, and I've talked about this before, actually, 
was that because I was raised in the military, I've all we've we've always moved around all over the place. Well, not all over the place, but I mean, I started out life in Texas, then we moved to Maryland, then we moved to North Carolina, then we moved to Panama country of not Panama City, Florida, but Panama country of, and then back to and then back to Virginia. Um, because uh, I lived in Virginia probably from like maybe two years old to five, and then I was gone until high school. Um, and so for me, when it came to because of the way my family is. Um, was and is, we we were never as tight knit of a family as some other people's is anyway. So not not seeing them, not being around them, not talking to them was just was what we called normal. Um, because uh, my mother was in the army, my uncle was in the air force, um, and so we didn't and and nobody lived where their mother lived. Like all of my grandmother's children didn't live in Virginia. <laughs> All of them moved away. Mm-hmm. So there was never really a time for like family gatherings where people would get together and see each other. So we weren't, we weren't close knit anyway. So when I went to the, when I went to Iraq, it, I mean, I talked to the same people I talked to. I talked to my mother, uh, my mother would relay information to, you know, my aunt and my grandfather who were the other, you know, two people on the Williams side that I was close to. I would, uh, I would call my grandmother from time that my, uh, my, my grandmother that I get my namesake from, from time to time. Um, and outside of that, that was pretty much it. Most of the time that I was there, most of the time that I went to call people, it was I would um, I would call a couple friends, like I would call Antonio uh, from Iraq. Um, obviously, the time difference didn't make that easy either. But uh, so I didn't I didn't talk to people any less really than I already talked to them uh, because I've so you already prior to. Yeah, being a physical yeah. you already conditioned for. It. I was all, I was already conditioned, but it was because of just life, you know. Right. Because mm-hmm. um, at the time, you know, back in the day, there wasn't you didn't you didn't have unlimited minutes, you know, on anything. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> you know, when you actually had to pay for a long distance. He told and then his you, age, and don't then, call me or don't text me till after nine o'clock. Man, forget that. <laughs> when we, look, when we went out, when, when we were in Panama, we had. You you know that was when you still bought those like AT and T calling cards yeah. or whatever, and we would you know and you'd have. You know, it's like the calling card only is is still like a dollar twenty five a minute or something like that. Well, so kids nowadays won't know. They for the, for the younger know. generation, it is a card that you put. No, I'm just joking. It is. A, it is literally. It's a card that you purchase so that you can make international calls. Um, and I can remember those were still a. Th- they still they still exist, but um, they're not as widespread because now you know with cell phones, a lot of these cell providers are making it so you can call multiple countries from your home country. So, um. But so so I was already I was already used to the disconnect that Iraq would provide, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it was from family members or friends, because I had moved so many times prior to social media even being a thing. I knew that I was conditioned to there being a disconnect from everybody I knew every two to four <laughs> years. So it was when we went to Iraq, it was just life as usual for me. Got you. Um I think this is uh, going to be uh, uh, like a wrap-up question for everybody. Um, this decision-making process, um, having mental health issues, how do I make decisions? And I would like to say that I make decisions based off of logic, not emotions, because I understand that I have it in I have an imbalance, if that makes sense. Did I say it right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So when I do get into a mental state where I'm hyper vigilant, yep. all my emotions become logic. No emotion. <laughs> no care. <laughs> that can be tough for some people. Yeah. <laughs> and that can come off as harsh. It can come off as being brash or whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh however, that with without the help that I have now, mm-hmm. that was my process. Mm-hmm. There was there was no connection to anything around me. There was no concern about the decisions. It had to be based off of facts, knowledge. Leave your emotions at the door. So you get, you got tools and skills to help make your decisions. Definitely, mm-hmm. um, I would encourage anyone who has. Um, any kind of psychological imbalance to seek help. The, That's important. Yeah, the, the resources that are available to you 
I, I would definitely look into that to see what are whether it's I I signed up for group therapy. That's good. Knowing that I like I skipped the whole individual process. So in doing the group therapy, it was yeah. it was an eye opener for me mm-hmm. um, to help me understand. Yo, first of all, I'm not by myself. Right. Right. Two, there is help out there, and other people are seeking help as well. So, I mean, it it was a slight com- – it was still awkward for me, and I'm still getting used to it. However, uh, it was enlightening to see and hear from other people dealing with some of the things that I dealt with. Um, just hearing their conversations about um, their relationships and, and – um, I'll just keep it short. You know what I'm saying? Just to understand that they weren't the only one. So that mm-hmm. was good to know. Um, so now I base my decisions based off of a little bit of both. Uh, slight, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not, honestly, I'm not a fan of making decisions based off of emotion because I found that even in my unbalanced states, those, those decisions weren't the best decisions for me. So, um, but that's how I process it, man. And in regards of relationship wise, I think it's been a big help because Ashley has been um, influential in seeing her deal with things. It's it's been very insightful as far as being able to allow her like use and use compassion, for example, and, and concern and care about um, how others are and how what I can do affects them, whether it's the children, whether it was her with y'all, with anyone in general, but out outside. Of, oh, sorry. That's on me. Sorry. I'm, I'm done. I Go guess that's, that's my cue to stop. <laughs> um, I mean, in terms of decision-making, I, the, here's, the problem I have is I don't know because we all went to Iraq so young and, and not super young, but I mean, 23 and 24 for me. Um, I don't know what my decision making process was prior to that because I was making decisions. I was making decisions, you know, essentially as an adolescent. Um, and as an adult, most people's decision making process has changed anyway. And so, uh, like, so like when I made a decision to go to the college I went to, so maybe maybe this maybe this will be a good example. Uh, when I made a decision to go to Norfolk State University, behold. We're not doing that right now. Oh, yes, we are. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Ah. Yes, we are. <laughs> the green. <laughs> so when I made that decision, there were, there were a few factors that influenced that decision. Um, I don't know that any were bigger than the others, but one of them was both of my parents had gone there and graduated from the university. Okay. Right? Uh, my grandmother worked at the university uh, for 25, maybe 28 years, I think. Um, and then... Uh, on top of that, I found out what out-of-state tuition costs. <laughs> that was a huge factor. Because prior to that, I wanted to go to UNC Chapel Hill. Love the Tar Heels. Still am a, am a fan of the basketball program for sure. Um, but I wanted to go there. Then I saw that out-of-state tuition. And I said, okay, well, maybe not there. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I looked at Jackson State. Because Jackson State's band was the only one that I had seen prior to going. I hadn't even seen Norfolk State's band. But I knew I was going to go to school and also be in the band. So, of course, I wanted to be in something that I could definitively say would be the baddest band in the land. I wish y'all could see this right now. And oh, <laughs> Video comes in. Five Jack. Um, five. But so, so, so my process for that was, okay, once I saw that I stayed tuition would made everything out of state out of the question, then I really only had one choice because I, I was upset at Hampton, which was emotional, because I had applied to Hampton University and they hadn't they hadn't sent me anything at all until I sent them my SATs. Then all of a sudden you wanted to recruit me. No, sir. <laughs> um, so which, you know, now now is it somebody older that does make sense. But, you know, at yeah. <laughs> 17 and 18, it didn't make, 17 and 16, it didn't even make any sense to me then. Uh, so I was definitely making the decision more emotionally. And I, I can't say that I don't make decisions emotionally even afterwards, because I think that a lot of times we use logic to back up our emotions. Um, and I think I do that certainly depending on what it is that my decision is. Now, I do plan stuff out. So I usually have come to a decision that I think is based on logic, but it's probably what I already wanted to do. And I've used logic to then convince myself mm. that this is what is the right, po- the right path. Um, it's very rare that logic says, 
Well, I shouldn't say rare. I'm glad you said that. It's less often that Logic says, no, don't do this, than (laughs) don't do something that I wanted to do, than Logic says, you know, do the thing that you wanted to do. Because the logic we use generally is going to drive us in the direction we wanted to go anyway. It's kind of like instead of uh, putting regular, you just said, you know, I'm going to (laughs) back this up with some premium and we're going to go in this direction (laughs) anyway. Um, But I mean, sometimes you do. I do evaluate and say, yeah, you know, it doesn't make any any sense whatsoever to do at least at this stage um which is how i stopped buying cars hmm. because you know and people still i'm sure think that i'm gonna go out and buy another car uh because i was one of those people that every two years i had a, I had I a new car those man and um again somewhere around 37 i was like you know i'm tired of this <laughs> <laughs> i'm tired of not paying a car off so i you know i but and, and every time I, I i did the math i was like okay you know what this is gonna make Far more since long term, especially since I have a car that I enjoy, enjoy. driving. Um, I mean, shout I get out a, to the uh, the WRX crews out there. Man. That's yeah, funny. shout out to the WRX community. Rally Making boys. all that noise. Rally boys. <laughs> all that noise. So, 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 I, so, I think we do. I mean, I know that I personally um, do back up whatever my whatever I think my decision is going to be then I research and make sure this is the right decision and sometimes it is sometimes it isn't I don't know that I did that prior to I don't even know that I did that immediately after Iraq mm-hmm. I think that came in that came in sometime later after you know maybe I don't know what it was maybe I listened to um uh, something from you know one of the books I got on my shelf or something like that to to start making my decision making process that way but it is what it is <clears throat> yeah So um, How do I make a decision Well I don't think the war Influenced my decision making process But now <clears throat> This is This is the This is what I teach my son All the time And I tell him Every every day well, Every time I can Or anybody else Any of my mentors uh, Oh Lord Youth Mentoring I tell them the same thing If you can't Um when you're making a decision, make a godly decision. If you can't make a godly decision, make a wise decision. If you can't make a wise decision, make a good decision. If you can't make a good decision, make a bad decision and own it. <laughs> That's the way I do it. With all my decisions. Back so I can get that. I, I do it all the time. Do I need to say it again? One more time. All right. If you can't... if you're making decisions Make a godly decision If you can't make a godly decision Make a wise decision If you can't make a wise decision Make a good decision If you can't make a good decision Make a bad decision And own it I love it Alright everybody Next week We'll be back Yeah That's what we need next. We do need that next.